Hey, listeners. After five babies, I've changed a lot of diapers. And I have opinions about them. A lot of people think Pampers Cruisers 360 are best to use when your baby is older. But in my experience, they're the best diapers to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. That's because these diapers don't have ordinary diaper tabs. They have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby who just can't stop moving. Just slide on to apply, rip the sides to remove, and roll everything up with the disposal tape on the back. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof and just got even better with a new blowout barrier. And since these diapers stretch with your baby, your active baby can move all over the place, getting into everything as usual. Pampers Cruisers 360 are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of five, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of three, a practicing physician, and blogger on the side. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. This is episode 187, which is first airing in early March of 2021. Today, we are going to be talking about workplace wellness. Um, We're going to be approaching this from a couple different angles. First, talking about, you know, what wellness is, um, what we can do personally to uh, improve our wellness at work, what managers can do to help employees with wellness at work, and then sort of generally what makes something a great place to work? Um, because we've all observed that you can have the exact same job title and the same substance of your job at one organization versus another and yet be much happier at one place versus another. So what is that magic secret sauce um, that makes some place uh, so great to work? And how can more of us you know, either find those places or if we are in charge, create those places? So that is what this episode is about. Um, but first, this was Partly sparked because Sarah is officially a wellness leader. You want to tell us about that? I don't know how if well, I guess it is official, but it's it's sort of a 
volunteer part of my job, I guess I would say. So I, I serve on the wellness committee for our healthcare system or for the physician group of our healthcare system. And it is a topic I am very passionate about and think about a lot. I think I do have kind of a unique perspective because I have one eye on the pulse of like resident wellness and what that means as they're kind of becoming physicians. I have another on the pulse of like a half administrative career, which is my own. And my secret weapon in understanding things, I think at a little bit of a deeper level than many is my husband, um, because I also see what a very hectic clinical job with high demands um, and kind of a high value placed on what they do can, how that intersects uh, with the challenge of cultivating wellness. And so I do think I'm a good person to be delving into this. At the same time, it can be very hard to know what as an individual one can do to promote more wellness amongst physicians. And it it is a huge challenge that is being faced at many different places. um, As you know, especially all kinds of healthcare obviously has faced unprecedented challenges this past year. But even before then, everyone was talking about physician burnout and this committee existed even pre-COVID. So um, yeah, it's really, really interesting and I'm learning and just a lot of things to think about in that role. Yeah, no, well, it's a great idea that they're doing it. I mean, since, as you said, um, physicians turn out to be human beings who have, you know, bodies that fall apart, brains that need a break, and recognizing that among the people who deliver our healthcare, um, given it that it is such a big part of everyone else's health, um, too, is, is probably important, though, interestingly, um, has not necessarily been an important narrative in the past. Um, so we're glad that that is coming to the front right now. Uh, so you had written a blog post uh, recently, which was <laughs> your answer to everything uh, on on um, wellness. So this was on the personal side. So if somebody's like, I, what are the things that you know make me feel better and reduce work stress? Uh, what did, what did you come up with? Yeah, well, the first of all, the title was completely like tongue in cheek. Like, I do not have the answer to everything. <laughs> this came from it's, it's just like a long time joke Josh and I have had because when I was in medical school, the first year we had to do a motivational interviewing exercise. So I'm like this baby 18 year old, no, not 18, 22 year old first year med student. And um, I'm trying to convince this like fake patient to stop smoking and by doing a motivational interview. And at the end, I said, now that's the secret to this whole thing. <laughs> Like I can't even, and and I played it for Josh, and he's like, "You just told that guy that you knew the secret to this whole thing." Like, and so that's that's become. Um, we use that phrase in our house when someone sort of acts like the answer to something is like so easy, and they know everything, and it's like obviously. Oh my gosh! I should just opposite. stop smoking. I never thought of it that way before. <laughs> 22-year-old, first-year med school, and I, I just, I'll bring you the secret to this whole thing. This whole and I'm thing. sure I said it, like, very earnestly and cute. Well, thank anyway. goodness it was an actor. <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank goodness you don't get to practice, for the most part, on real patients as a first-year med student. That is so true. Um, although you do get to spend some time with patients, and more and more, actually, as as time has gone by. Anyway. So, so I, I just, as I wrote out this list, I recognized that I did not know the secret. And that's sort of why I sarcastically titled it, if that kind of makes a sense, because for everybody, it's different. But the things that I did come up for myself that might help other individuals, and again, this is not on the institutional side, but like, what can you do within yourself? Getting enough sleep, number one, 
remembering why you're there each day, like maybe even taking a moment as you walk into work and be like, I am here to take care of patients and to like work effectively as a team to make kids healthier, like remembering that. Spending some time outside each day and taking effective breaks, like using that 15 minutes you might have between sessions to take a little walk instead of just scroll. That helps me plan, obviously, don't need to delve into that one, but I find it a secret to life for real. Spend some time teaching and some time learning. I think that this does invigorate many, at least healthcare workers. It's really, really fun to see like students develop and impart your wisdom and, and teach them things. To have at least one non-work hobby that feels meaningful to you. I know this really, really helps my husband to have something like guitar that is just completely separate from work. That actually helps him enjoy his work paradoxically more. To take time to thank others and be generous, especially the people that you're working with. Not spend excessive money, and we can delve into that in a little bit, but I do think that's actually important. Don't think that you are superhuman or special. That is a complex trap. I've seen some physicians seem to get into like remember even you know everybody you're working with we're all people and we all have jobs and we're all trying to do our best and finally if you are a parent don't skimp on childcare so that's a very best of both worlds tip for for everyone <laughs> but i want to um have you elaborate a little bit on this i mean cuz when one of the things you did put is don't spend excessive money in here like so what how is how is that benefiting your your wellness <laughs> a lot of I mean, so what I've learned over the past few years is, is physicians especially are notorious for overspending what they're earning to the point where they become very, very dependent on not even their jobs like sustaining, but their jobs growing. And I think that that pressure, um, like if you were like, oh, if I don't earn this like extra bonus, I won't be able to afford my mortgage payments. Like if you put yourself into that kind of a position, we certainly don't, but some people do, then I think that it, it adds a completely unnecessary layer of pressure to what is already a high stress job. And so I do feel like structuring your life so that there is not a lot of financial stress and you kind of know the future is well planned and you're on a path that, you know, I guess you don't have to do heroics to increase your earnings in order to have a comfortable retirement or meet your goals. I think that adds to overall wellness. I know it. I know that once we got stuff in better order, that added to my own personal wellness and oddly helped me to feel a little bit more free at work, maybe because I didn't feel like I, you just feel less desperate. Like you feel more like, you know, I could do something else if I needed to, or I could, I could find another job and it wouldn't even necessarily have to be like exactly the same paying job. It just gives you a lot more flexibility and freedom and one less thing to worry about. Yeah, no, that's a, a great point. Um, because yeah, I mean, having a bonus be a bonus <laughs> is is probably wise for one's psychological wellness in general. Um, that if you uh live on what you know you will make, even if it's not a great year, um, then if it is, it's all gravy. And um, you know, you don't have to push yourself to for something that that is more variable. Um, and that you wouldn't know. So that's that's good advice for people, whether you're in medicine or not. Of course, the one place that you do want to spend is the childcare. And talk a little bit about this, because when people are like skimping on childcare, I mean, what are the ways people do that that make uh, you know adds to their their stress? I mean, I get tempted myself. I'm like, do we really need full time with the kids? Are and then I really search myself, and I'm like, 
while it would make every morning very stressful and then I'd be on a time clock every afternoon, like I think having a little bit more than you truly need so that you have a buffer and you know that if you have, you know, a meeting that has to happen at 6 p.m. like I have tonight, that I don't have to stress over, you know, who's going to help me with that. It greatly adds to my, it, it really takes away from career stress because that does become a layer of career stress if you feel very, very constrained by your hours. And I recognize that is a luxury like that. That is not something that everyone can do, but probably most physicians, depending on their other lifestyle choices, can afford a little bit of extra kind of buffer zone there. And I think that it does add to quality of life and probably increases just general job satisfaction because you feel like, okay, I might have to work an extra hour here and there, but then I can get it all done without like that additional layer of stress of scrambling to figure out what to do with the kids. Yes. It's funny that we're talking about this right now because we have a a giant snowstorm um, (laughs) and uh, that that forces a a change in our um, general childcare arrangements. But what we have the four older kids home with us right now um, doing virtual school. Although Alex is not doing virtual school right now because I'm like, I can't supervise it. I'm here doing something else. I will supervise it in the afternoon, but I can't in the morning. Um, so he's just playing his Kindle, which we found. It was hidden in the house, but has been found. Um, so that's an exciting thing for anyone who is reading my blog and wondering about that. Um, <laughs> but uh, this is how it is at the moment with this. But it is not something that I could say like, oh, hey, you know, since we're both working from home, we don't need childcare at all, right? Like that would just be ridiculous. And yet, yet I know a lot of people of the year had to make do with that with the pandemic over the past year or um, have maybe thought like, oh, yeah, why don't we try that? I would I would suggest you not try that if there are other options. Um, and yes, you know, good childcare costs money. But one of our themes here on Best of Both Worlds is that that is actually worth putting money into. Um, that maybe there are other areas of life that we can cut back on in order to, um, you know, have that quality of life aspect. All right, well, why don't we take a short break and then we'll be back with more on what um, managers and what institutions can do. All right. Well, we are back talking about workplace wellness. Um, Sarah is on the official wellness committee at her institution. And she talked about what people can do individually um, to make themselves feel better to reduce workplace stress. But after she posted on her blog about this, um, of course, other people chimed in with things that managers and organizations can do and that they've seen. Um, So Sarah, what what are some of those things that our, our readers and listeners came up with? Yeah. So one thing was to make sure that counseling for stressors is easily available. And that could be, you know, directly through some sort of online service through HR, could be through health benefits, but also not only should the workplaces make sure that those services are available, but they should make sure that employees have good leeway to use those services when needed. Cause somebody did point out that it's, you know, it's great to have psychologists available, but if I, need to use them during business hours, and I'm not allowed to, you know, take the time off to go to an appointment, then it's useless. So having those services available and having the ability to kind of take breaks when needed to use those services, that was somebody somebody brought up. A lot of people were passionate about fitness and having the workplace, you know, either provide incentives for exercise or have like convenient on-site fitness facilities. But then they also mentioned that it has to be part of the work culture. So it can't be seen as like, 
you know, weird or wrong to work out during your lunch break, you actually want to see like the leadership doing it and modeling it to make it a normal thing and kind of encourage that wellness culture within the institution. So having having the facilities available and having the behaviors modeled by those in leadership, I thought that was an interesting one. Yeah, no, that's a great one. Yeah. And then moving down the actual workplace um, wellness programs, like one on on sleep, someone mentioned? Yeah, there was somebody who commented on my blog that has a role as like, I think a corporate like what like she consults with companies to help improve their wellness. And she said one of their most successful campaigns was actually to do a huge education. And I don't know if they also maybe like altered some things about schedules. She didn't really talk about specifics, but to improve the um, quality and amount of sleep that the people at the company got. And she said that that ended up having trickle down effects into many other realms like exercise and like other kinds of kind of job satisfaction and engagement things. So I thought that was really, really cool. Another company mentioned having like an on-site massage therapist or optional fun social events. I do think the key is optional because I think if they become obligatory, you will get people complaining that they wanted that time for family and how dare the organization like force them to be doing events for wellness when, (laughs) you know, they, but at the same time, if they're optional, then they can just be, you know, opportunities to hang out with colleagues in a more informal setting, like a book club unrelated to, you know, the work topic that you have. We used to call it mandatory fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't think it should be mandatory. Mandatory fun. (laughs) Agree, agree. I think, I think suggested ways that people might want to get involved if desired. Um, Yes, because you're right. The desire to do that is going to vary based on people's life stages and time constraints and all things like that. And then one thing that was mentioned in the medical realm was making sure that workloads are reasonable. And a management that doesn't just listen to problems, but responds to them. So I think that is huge. I mean, it's great if the management takes a listening ear to you saying like, you know, I really need someone to help me with notes. I need an assistant or a scribe. And if they listen and nod, that's not helpful. But if <laughs> Unless they actually- the scribe appears. <laughs> Exactly. If they listen and and to find out what you need and sort of partner with you to say, you know what, I would love that you would have more productivity, you would be happier. Is there a way you could like sneak in one extra patient per day if I provided you this scribe to help offset the cost? And then most physicians would be like, great, no problem. Um, So a management that actually, you know, responds to these quote unquote pebbles in your shoes that you deal with every day. is huge. And one person said that was sort of what made the difference with her between various jobs as to whether whether people work together and whether administration actually listened and responded to concerns. And I love like one more you had on the list, which was closure during holidays. I think this is this is something you could check very easily if you are thinking of taking a job, looking at their schedule, because an office that you know, if you're not providing life and death services here, obviously, you know, if you're in the police force, you're going to work over Christmas. Like, that's just, you know, that people need to be operated on sometimes, you know, over Christmas. This is life. But most of us are not doing that, right? Um, and so if the office is closed for major holidays, like they don't just say, oh, yeah, we're, we come in on the Friday after Thanksgiving. Like, no, they actually are closed from like Wednesday to Monday or, you know, Tuesday to Monday, whatever. Um, that's a way to show that they aren't forcing people to take vacation days to have sort of what is considered a normal holiday schedule. Um, and that may indicate that they have a little bit more um, belief that it is appropriate to take time off for holidays that people might wish to to spend with family. 
Well, I find that a little funny because at least where I work, um, when the office is closed, those are vacation days that come out of your vacation bank. So I don't know. That probably varies wherever you're going. But still, I still think it can be helpful because it's like saying, you know what? Things are going to be quiet. We don't need you to check your inbox. Like this is time that everyone's going to kind of step away from everything but the urgent. And of course, one on-call person can cover the urgent, but that can be a different person every year for any given holiday. So you do get that that time, whether or not it's you know, coming out of your your vacation bank or not. I think this is even more, sorry, I was just going to say, I think this is, you know, especially as a number of sort of the the cool and hip employers are experimenting with not actual vacation days, right? Like it's more flexible how many you take. Like there's not like you get 10 exactly and you must account for all 10. The closures actually do help because they, people know it is okay. Right. And many people are like, oh, well, I don't want to take all 10 because that shows I'm the kind of person who takes all 10. But like you need them to get the actual holidays off. So if the place is closed, it's a sign that everybody is taking it off. And so especially if it isn't counted against your bank of of PTO, um, that can be helpful for that kind of place. That makes sense. And leaders need to model that. So I think that's kind of a key theme throughout. If the leadership is like offering all these things, but then they're sending emails on Sunday at 10am and like at, you know, 5am on a Thursday and, and inviting you to a mandatory meeting at 7pm, then like they're, they're not, they're not really modeling all of these things. And I think especially with the vacation stuff, I mean, this doesn't apply necessarily to a medical place. But like, if you work in some, I don't know, Silicon Valley corporation, and they're saying that the office is closed, then I think, I think the boss should make a big show of being like, we're closed. And I'm also going to Tahiti or whatever. Maybe not now, but someday. (laughs) Someday. Yeah, exactly. So Sarah, if you were, um, you know, in charge of a big place, um, and, and you were going to, you know, have the, the best in class wellness someplace, what, what would you do? Like, what would be the first thing you'd do? I would make sure I would I would I would respond to what that person said about management really, really listening. And I would put in place some sort of regular forums for people to bring up concerns with kind of dedicated problem and troubleshooting measures with formalized follow up to see if these things like got taken care of. So I think I would I would and I am I mean, we are doing some of this stuff. So it's not even just pretend like opening lines of communication to troubleshoot what is actually bothering people. Um, I think that's one thing I would mandate that people use their vacation. Um, this is maybe a little bit you know, controversial, but, you know, physicians, there's all this discussion about burnout. And then if you actually drill down, you you will often find that many people who are extremely burned out have paid time off in their bank, sometimes weeks of it, and have not used it. So I would create a culture where it was very important to take time off and to actually be off during that time off. I mean, that's why we are in these groups that have coverage models set. And I think that we can, because of, you know, better communication and, you know, I kind of think the electronic medical record does help with this. We can better hand off from patient to patient and feel like we can truly turn off um, when we're off. So I would encourage more of that. Yeah, there is that. For people who've read Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In, um, she talks about her um, office manager when she was in the Washington, D.C. office of McKinsey, um, talking about how people would leave all the time because they were burned out. But they always had weeks of unpaid, vac- you know, untaken vacation time. And he said, well, I can understand that, you know, people might not want to do this job forever. Like, sure, <laughs> you know, maybe people don't want to do this job forever. But, you know, the company is going to ask whatever they're going to ask of you. It's up to you 
to set your boundaries as well. And so if you're feeling burned out and you've got two weeks of vacation time that you haven't used, like try taking that first, right? And then and then come back and see how you feel. And, you know, maybe you still want to quit and that's fine. But it's not just that you haven't had a vacation in 10 months and so you have to quit. It's like, well, well, there's actually a, a mechanism for you to take a vacation. Like it's there. You have to do it though. Yeah. And I think I think it's I think it's really underrated. I think that the anticipating the vacation is good for us, spending that time apart with family, trying as best as you can not to pollute that vacation with, you know, multiple work tasks and projects, which I, you know, if people show that that's the norm, then other people feel tempted to do it. And I think that's such a sad, slippery slope. So yeah, I think that I think that's a priority as well as administration very much listening to people's everyday concerns and responding to them. So how's your wellness and how's how's Josh's right now? You know, my I feel like my wellness is is very good. Um, but you're I think so I've, proactive about it. I mean, you have so many good habits in place. They're like, well, I exercise every morning and I journal and I <laughs> meditate. And I, I mean, this is you consciously doing this. I mean, so. I am very proactive about it. Sometimes I feel like, well, does this mean like, am I getting away with something? Like, is my job just like easy? And that, but then I look around and people who are theoretically doing my same job and they don't necessarily seem so stress-free. So, but it, like at the same time, it's like, well, what am I doing right? I don't know. I, I, I guess you're right. Like I, I am an upholder. So maybe that helps me to put myself first sometimes. Like I'm going to go by my routines. I'm also pretty proactive about work tasks because I find that being proactive and staying ahead of the game tends to save a lot of time. Um, I've gotten to know you really well and I follow people like Cal Newport really well. So I think I've gotten really efficient at parts of my job. I'm not a perfectionist and I'm also willing to hand off and let others cover me. And I think that's a, I think that's an important skill. You have to learn to trust others. Um, and I have no problem doing that if it means that I can unplug for a period of time. Um, I, I, and I really like my job. Like I, both the residency part and the clinical part, when I go into work, like, yes, there can be like little things, of course, about anything that are just, you know, annoying, but on a global picture, I just feel like, wow, what I'm doing is important and I'm connecting with families and I'm helping train residents. And since all of those things feel meaningful to me, it's pretty easy. But I but I also am not going to lie and say I work 70 hours a week. I totally don't. I work like 40 or less probably. And I'm that's fine. <laughs> Seems but to you're doing your job, job in 40 hours. I mean, that's like, I, I'm pretty sure I was watching you rise up the ranks. <laughs> in your, your organization that you have. I, I uh, think I'm doing my job. You're doing I your think job. I, am. I, I, <laughs> I see my patients. I see my volume. I get my notes in. I run my residency. I'm pretty active. I'm, I'm check off the boxes. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to know, but it seems like it's a great balance. Now, Josh is an interesting case. All and right, again, let's, let's, this is the why case I think study of Josh. <laughs> the case study of Josh. I asked him the other day, I was like, do you feel like you have good wellness? And I think I asked him when he was doing notes at like 530 in the morning. Um, and he was like, <laughs> he's like, no. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. He's like, yeah. I don't know why, but I do. And I'm like, that is very interesting. And he says, well, I feel like I have some time I can spend with the family and some time I can spend with my hobbies. And it doesn't really bother me that my work sometimes bleeds into certain other areas of life. Now, he definitely works more than 40 hours a week, although he's been better. Mm -hmm. And I think I will take a tiny bit of credit for this um, about 
being more intentional about when he's going to work later, when he's going to get stuff done. I actually showed him the case study that OBGYN that asked a question many episodes ago about like, well, when should I get my charts done? And so we worked out like certain nights that he's going to work on charts, which means there's certain nights that he's not going to work on charts and either do something for himself, um, like he's been doing this guitar thing, or have a night with a family or be the kind of dad on call on a given night. And I also think he's gotten better about spending his call weekends really, 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 really catching up so that when he's not on call, he doesn't feel bound to do a ton of EMR catch up and that helps. And I think he does find a lot of meaning in what he does and enjoys that. I think he likes teaching. I think he likes the patient care. I think he really forms true relationships with his colleagues. And, you know, many surgeons get kind of a God complex and he is the opposite of that. So I think all these things help. Um, And I think his wellness is pretty good despite on paper what might look like you would be at risk for for not being. Well, that's good. If the the younger family has good systems in place. <laughs> so we, nobody we nobody listening to this care. is surprised by 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 that. We do not skimp on childcare. Yes. That is for sure. Yeah, exactly. Well, cool. Um, and then we just wanted to you know before we move on to our Q and A, talk about broadly what makes a organization a great place to work. Um, because this has actually been studied fairly well. Um, as one might imagine, you know, people are interested in becoming an employer of choice. Some places aren't, but some places certainly are. Um, And it turns out that it's not just throwing money at people. Now, we are fully in favor of throwing money at people, but that is not the primary thing. It can't make up for other problems. People want autonomy, which is that you can mostly choose how you do your work. You may be held accountable for results, but you are mostly responsible for figuring out within a, a range of how you do your work. And that also includes flexibility over hours and location. Um, so if it is a job that can occasionally be done remotely, that you are able to do that. We found out that a lot more jobs fall in that category uh, over the past year. Um, but certainly moving forward, hopefully more places will recognize that. Opportunities for growth, that there is a career trajectory and that there is interest in your development, Um, that when somebody joins an organization, it's understood that you would like to see them learn and grow within that organization, um, that nobody is hired as a sort of dead-end kind of thing, Um, that there is always an opportunity for you to move up and get more responsibility. And if it requires more training for you to get to that place, um, that the organization is actively interested in making that happen for you. A collaborative, inclusive culture um, that people enjoy working with their colleagues, and that incentives don't pit everyone against each other. If you're in a sales team where it's like, okay, one guy goes to Hawaii and the rest of you get yelled at, like, no, (laughs) that doesn't work at all. You want to make sure that that's not going on. That there's a sense of purpose, what Sarah talked about, that she shows up and thinks, okay, I'm taking care of kids. I'm helping them get healthy. If you are organized around a sense of purpose, which obviously not all of us are in the business of helping kids get healthy, we can't all have that. But there's probably something that is cool about where you work, what you're doing. Maybe you have a product that really brings people joy, um, or you're helping other businesses run more efficiently and so that they can do the great things they're doing. There's all sorts of wonderful purpose. But if you are united around that, um, it makes it a great place to work. And of course, then throwing money at people. (laughs) Great pay and benefits. Never a bad thing. Though, again, uh, it can't make up for the others, but it can't be missing either. So you want to be at least in the top half of your industry distribution. Uh, So, yeah, Sarah, anything to add to that? 
Um, no, I, I think I've, I've gotten pretty darn lucky. I just want to say that if I came across as like, oh, I have the best job and I'm really good at doing it. I, I think I also, there's, a, there is an element of luck and I am very lucky to have trained in a place that was pretty good to work. And I certainly work in a place that I think is, uh, fantastic to work and there are good and better places to be. And I like that where I work is trying to be even better than they already are. But, but I do feel like I lucked out in that realm. That's awesome. Well, Vandercam Inc. is a well. It's actually Vandercam Media LLC. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, we're 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 okay on the wellness front. Um, tough boss. Yes, definitely. But, uh, we my, generally my little allow podcasting job has excellent wellness um, <laughs> benefits as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So our question: um, Did this come in from Instagram or what? Where did this? I think so. I went through my photos because a lot of times I will screenshot questions that come in and. Um, that's a, a little behind the scenes at the fact that I still haven't totally organized it. But this one I think came from Instagram, which was suggestions on how to get out the door with a toddler. <laughs> I thought that was a great question. It's a great question because there's no answer. <laughs> it's like, I love I love the idea that people have these questions as if we, we have the answers, Sarah. Do you have the answer? I don't think I have the answer. I mean, we've had a lot of years to work on the process. I think there are some things uh, I can share which have helped. Okay. Well, one thing, and you mentioned this as well, is that I think if you have one person in charge of kid wrangling, that is beneficial. I think sometimes it's actually worse when there are two because it's like not clear who's in charge. So today is a day that Josh drives the kids to school, but we've kind of established this nice division where like he's going to drive them and appear at 730 and I'm going to help get them to that point. And it's very clear that they're answering to me in terms of like, getting dressed and eating their breakfast and whatever. So I think getting rid of the ambiguity with who's in charge helps. Keeping the clothes downstairs and the toothbrushes downstairs and uh, minimizing trips up and down the stairs to the extent possible, I think can be can be great. I have a cutoff time. I tr- This one's hard, but I try to enforce a cutoff time for eating breakfast because like three-year-olds in particular, you can like take two bites and then like get distracted and then want to take another bite to the point where like their eating takes 45 minutes and it really doesn't need to. So if it's like 720, I'm like, well, you have two more minutes to finish eating. If you're not done, that's fine. We will put it in a bag and you can bring that to school and eat it when you get there because like they're not going to starve. They can eat it in 30 minutes. And then with older kids, I will like just walk out the door. <laughs> Be like, meet me in the car. Uh, doesn't work. Doesn't really work with Genevieve. But the other two will go. We'll get frantic, and we'll actually usually get out pretty quickly. Yeah, I would say getting out the door with five children requires effort. We're usually not doing all five except on weekends. And I will admit that I am often running around like a crazy person and yelling. And and this is partly a function of the nature of pandemic era family activities is that you have timed tickets for stuff. And so like, in a normal world, it wouldn't matter if we got in the car 10 minutes later to go to the zoo than we did. But now it does because you have a limited window in which you are allowed to show up at the gates. And so this is added slightly to the stress of of getting us out. So what I have, I have a leaving time and I have a getting in the car time and the getting in the car time is about 10 minutes prior to the leaving time so that that is when I start saying shoes on coats on mask on whatever else we need diaper bag which is you know usually packed but whatever and we have diapers and wipes in the car so it's not even a a deal but kids are given warnings ahead of time so it's not like I just announce okay we're getting shoes on like I we've talked through like this afternoon at one o'clock we will be doing this 
We um, have everything, the necessary equipment in the mudroom bins, hockey equipment, not hockey equipment, you know what I'm saying? Like everything that is needed is in the bins. The masks, I still wind up grabbing ones for everybody. I, you know, I, there's no good, they're not stored there because then they get all dirty. So we store them in a certain place in the kitchen, but then they like, Nobody, they get their shoes on and they're like, oh, wait, I forgot my mask. And so they have to take their shoes off and walk back to the kitchen. <laughs> like It's just, I wind up grabbing them and then they put them down and then wind up in the car without them. But that's another matter. The, you know, the one, we only have one kid who is engaged in any active subterfuge of not getting in the car. And, you know, our listeners can probably guess which child that is. And so I have occasionally had to run back in the car house or send Michael back in the house to find him, grab him, pull him out. Um, so occasionally I'm just like yelling like a crazy person in the driveway as I realize he has run back in the house and like hidden somewhere. Um, so I'm sure our neighbors have all kinds of opinions on us. And, you know, so you can keep listening to Best of Both Worlds for more pro parenting tips like that. <laughs> well, you're going to get new neighbors soon, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you'll start fresh, we'll start fresh. <laughs> no there's definitely yelling that happens out the door sometimes with masks i don't have the kids i just grab it and then i have them put it on in the car because i agree if i were to give it to them in the house like i don't know that it would make it to the car yeah. and i'm sure people have gotten to the point where like in my weekend bag i have like extra masks yeah, in a plastic course. bag because nobody we have wants extras to forget in the backpacks too so on the like bringing kids to school you know i look and see are they wearing them when i'm in the car because we've we stopped using the bus service because of, you know, COVID for the morning runs and stuff. But um, it's, uh, yeah, just one more thing. <laughs> we have a sign by the door, like, do you have mask, charged computer, snack or lunch if needed? But it's become part of the wallpaper at this point. So I was just going to say that would work until it didn't. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't. But it's a good try. Good try. All right. Love of the week. Sarah, what's yours? Yeah, so since this was a work-themed episode, I would just like to announce that I have had the same Littman pediatric stethoscope since residency, and it is still going strong. I did replace the ear tips at one point because they got like disintegrated or something, but um, like I was just thinking as I was creating the notes for this episode, I just looked over and I'm like, that thing looks great, and it's old now, so I hope that that can be my only stethoscope of my career. It's going to make it to retirement. Well, maybe my my love of the week will too. I, I bought a 15-pound kettlebell. So I've been doing, you know, every day a little something in terms of strength and resistance training. I started on January 1st. And as of February, late February as we're recording this, I have been doing it every single day. I started with the 10-pound kettlebell because that's what I had. And then I decided as I had done this for close to two months that I was feeling a bit more motivated. So bought a 15-pound kettlebell which was available. Um, I know at the start of the pandemic, there was a huge run on dumbbells and kettlebells and everything as people are trying to do home-based fitness. But uh, the beauty of the market is that this has been reestablished now. So if you were thinking all the fitness equipment is gone, it is back. Um, so you too can buy yourself heavier weights um, if you are looking to do so. So my love of the week is my 15-pound kettlebell. Hopefully I'll stick with that for a couple months and then maybe I'll move on to 20 pounds. We shall see. Stay tuned. Ooh, that's <laughs> awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. 
All right. Well, this has been Best of Both Worlds. We have been talking about workplace wellness, and we will be back next week with more on making work and life fit together. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.